Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle, and this week I'm having an amazing conversation with the wonderful Holly Herbig. Now, Holly is a human design and gene keys teacher, and she's also a business veteran with over 15 years experience working with multi-million and multi-six-figure businesses. She's also a certified clinical hypnotherapist, breathwork, EFT, and meditation practitioner. So we delve into so much in this conversation with Holly. We talk about human design, how we can utilize it for ourselves, and what it actually is. So if you've never heard of human design before, this is a great podcast to listen to to find out what it is. But we also dive into trauma, okay, pain, what we can do to become our biggest advocate, how to identify with ourself and, you know, how to take charge and control of our life and start to make those changes that may be uncomfortable or painful, but how to make and start those little steps so that we are really, truly living the life we want to live. So let's have a listen in. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle. And welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I have an amazing guest. Holly, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Just before I hit record, I just said to Holly that I'm going to learn some new information today (laughs) on the podcast as well. So, um, you know, an exciting topic to delve into. So, Holly, can you just introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course I can. So obviously I'm Holly, a fellow Australian, which is super duper exciting in the podcast space. Um, My business operates in the realm of human design. So for those of you who don't know what human design is, you will discover it, no doubt, across (laughs) the remainder of this podcast. Um, But I am a human design teacher. So I specialize kind of in one area of human design. And basically it's all about energetics. I teach energetics in in business and how that shows up. Um, I come from a super long background in business. I actually was in just your good old brick and mortar business for about 10 years. And then I moved over into the online space. Um, So business has long been one of my passions and it's really cool to be able to just teach it with heaps of freedom and flexibility, you know, online. It's just, it's so much more open and more available. Um, and prior to all of that, I was actually a nurse. So my my background is from medicine and I I love the human body. I love, um, gosh, I love health. I love all of the discussion about like the integration of how the body impacts our lives, our businesses, our relationships. So um, I've had a kind of long and windy journey to get here, but I like where I am. And I know you've got other qualifications in hypnotherapy and Reiki and breath work. So obviously health is important and it's nice because it's rare to see, you know, someone cross over to so many different modalities. (laughs) What kind of led you to sort of start to explore more? Was it you started one and was like, this is fascinating and it led into the next one? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've always been a student, right? Like I, I academically learn well and I really enjoy that process of, of gaining new knowledge and understanding new languages and new ways of seeing things and approaching things. Um, and I mean, for me, health and my body has been a, a hugely significant journey. I went through, you know, long periods of time with uh, chronic illnesses and really difficult prognosis, pro- prognoses, I think is the plural prognoses. Um, and so I think on a personal level, I was always entrenched in this world of how can I learn more about what's happening for me than perhaps what my doctors are telling me or, you know, perhaps what Google is showing up when I type in my (laughs) disease. Um, And then when I moved into this online business and I was really looking at business from a standpoint of um, this is not just go to work and show up and work hard right? Like my my previous business, I was in business consulting specifically in the area of hospitality and events. And then I owned my own hospitality business and um, it was just hustle. That's That's all it is. It's just like get the system perfect and show up and work hard. And in fact, ignore your body and ignore your health and take stimulants just to stay upright and keep going. Um, and when I came into the online space, I I didn't want to do that anymore. I had to go through a big recovery process for myself. And so I just sort of evolved along the way of what's what's healthy for me, what can I discover about me, how does that then impact how I show up. Eventually I just merged that into teaching that to people as I was going along. Um, and, I mean, in terms of the qualifications, like that was 2020 for me. I at the end of 2019, I had come out of a um, coaching business. I kind of started in the online space, just doing straight up business coaching. And I was like, I don't want to coach anymore. I don't want. It's successful, but I just don't want to. I don't want to do it. It's not working for me. And so I shut that all down and went into a long hiatus through 2020, which turned out great because we were in lockdown. So, much <laughs> so I was like, good timing. Um, and I just I certified. I certified in all of these areas that were fascinating to me and interesting to me. And it was never for the purpose of, you know, this makes me more credible or I'm going to use this in my business. I had no intention of using any of it directly in my business. I just, I wanted to follow my curiosity and see where that took me and, and you know, learn about new stuff. And and in the end, of course, it has, has all been remarkably helpful in what I do. That's it. And I think, it, you know, that in itself is a testament to you learning, but then being able to draw, even though you never had the intention of it to use it in your business, business having to be able to draw on that is such an asset for your clients that you work with. Um, even if it's just having, you know, an awareness of it and being able to refer somebody on to something else, I think an asset as well. So, you know, that really is a, a testament to you and your learning. But in what you said, a lot of people can relate to in that you're working so hard, you don't have time to look after yourself, you get to that burnout phase, you think, well, what am I, heck am I going to do now? Do I just take a two-week holiday and then go straight back to what I was doing? Which a lot of people do. Right. rely on the holiday <laughs> yeah. thinking that's going to fix everything. And it doesn't. And I think, you know, there has been a a, a bit of a reset. I know with the clients that I see, you know, maybe not in COVID itself, but coming 
out of it and mm. after it, people have started to think about more what you know gives them the most joy and do they want to sit in that commute and what are they getting for these hours they're putting in every day? Yeah, well, I think we were forced to, right? That was kind of the whole great collective thing that we all went through. And in different countries, we experienced it in different ways. But the general journey for all of us through a pandemic like that is things stop, systems stop, structures stop, patterns stop. And it gives us an opportunity to say, well, now that they're restarting, do I even want to participate in those? And perhaps I never had an opportunity to question that before because I just followed the pathway that everybody else was walking. But now that's not looking so great for me. So um, I think that's a very challenging thing and a very stressful thing for a lot of people, but also is really where the healing and the growth takes place. Yeah. Well, I don't think there can ever be um, healing without pain some type right. of pain like you yeah, do change to, hurts yeah it's not easy that's why we resist it because it's yeah. hard yeah. um but segueing into human design what is it what do you do with your clients using human design so the the textbook definition of human design is that it's called the science of differentiation so essentially this is a system, it's actually pretty scientific, it's it's fairly kind of masculine and black and white, that says this is how you're different from everybody else energetically. This is how you are wired, how your body works, how your personality operates, how you receive and process information, how you interact with the world, um, the wounds that you have, the areas that you're skilled at. So some people refer to human design as like the personality test on steroids, which it's pretty accurate, I think, except that um, it's not it's not subjective, right? So normally, what we find in things like um, Enneagram and Myers Briggs and and those kind of personality tests is that it's a subjective self reflection, right? You go through a series of questions, and so what you're really doing is saying, "This is what I see of myself," and that's going to show up in the results here. Human design is purely objective. It's outside of yourself. So it's it's a system that is a fusion of a number of different systems. And it was, I mean, the whole story is that it was oh, spiritually downloaded by this guy back in the 80s. It's kind of a warped, weird story. He went on like this three-day, three-night like <laughs> sojourn, downloaded this entire system and then spent the rest of his life teaching it. But it's really only become kind of globally very well recognized in the last two to three years. Prior to that, it was a pretty small cohort of people who understood and taught human design. Um, so it's based on science and spirituality. So it's a pretty good fusion of the two. And on that spirituality side, we've got things like astrology, Kabbalah, the I Ching, um, the chakra system. And then on the science side, we've got epigenetics, we've got biomechanics, um, we've got like a physiology. Um, so I find that it's, it's certainly for me coming from a science background, but now I do a lot of work in kind of that spirituality energetic space. Human design's great for me because I can look at it through heaps of different lenses and that's usually what appeals to people. But when you run your human design chart, you, and you can do that on a number of websites, it's like, you know, myhumandesign.com, um, jovianarchive.com, genetic matrix, just Google human design, right? You'll find it. Um, you put your birth data in and it it gives you your chart. 
And then there's all of these layers of the system to get through. So the vast majority of people coming into human design kind of have this moment of like, whoa, this is the first time there's ever been language that has essentially described me to me in ways that I've never been able to describe myself. Hmm. And do you, when you're working with a client, do they utilize human design for their business, obviously for their business, but for their personal life as well? Like can you integrate it into all areas? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's everything's integrated anyway, right? Because when we're not like little stationary, (laughs) like (laughs) capsule beings. Um, And in terms of business stuff, your, your business journey is a reflection of your personal journey. So the two things are always working together. Um, There are plenty of people who come into human design because they're like, "Mm, what's this going to do for my business? You know, can this tell me how to make money, how to do sales, how to get clients, (laughs) how to write content, right? And they quickly discover, oh, this is a journey of self. And if I can understand myself more, so can I use human design to show me where I'm most aligned to operate, right? Like these natural skills that I've got, these natural abilities that I have. And also, can it show me all of these ways that I have been operating that are not actually mine? These things that I picked up from, you know, school, friends, family, coaches, teachers, whatever, all these ways that I thought that I needed to operate, but actually they've never worked for me because it turns out they're not correct for me. And can I release that? So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's impossible kind of to distinguish between the two. It's all melded together. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like that, you know, the question they always ask you is how do you have your work-life balance? Um, and you know, it sounds lovely, but for me, my work is my life and my life is my work and there are other parts to my life, but you know, the way that my business is set up and I, um, you know, work from home, you know, I can pop the hat on of, of being the business owner and then take that off and put the hat on of being the mom and then take that off. And throughout the day, depending on what tasks I need to do, I will change, which doesn't work for some people, but works for me really well. Um, so I always find that question really hard because I can't separate my life. And a lot of clients will often say, because I have a Pilates studio at home, they're like, you know, at the end of the day, does it feel good just to lock off that door and then, you know, it's it's separate, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's it's part of my house, it's part of my life, it's always there. Mm-hmm. I don't need it to be separate, but so many people do get a bit obsessed with, you know, trying to define work-life balance, I guess. Yeah, and this is the problem, hey, when we apply any kind of static social rule across the board that we say work-life balance looks like this. Or, you know, health looks like this or business success looks like this. It's not going to apply to everybody, right? There will be a certain group of people that will apply to and everybody else will kind of be scratching their heads like, well, I tried that and it didn't, it just doesn't seem to work for me. And, um, you know, like the very top layer of human design is that, um, and it's kind of really the, the only slightly more generalized part of human design is that it breaks society down into five different energy types. So based on your chart that you run, you'll you'll kind of get spat out as like, this is your energy type. This is the group that you fit into. Um, And each of those energy types has a unique way of operating in the world. And we have people like our manifesting generators, for example, they're about 33% of society 
those are the people who do multitask and they do jump between things very quickly. They move rapidly, right? They can juggle a lot of stuff. They're the classic people who are like, yeah, I'm running a business and yeah, I've got my kids and yeah, I've got my workout, (laughs) right? And like the more stuff you've got on your plate, the better it is, the more satisfying it is because you get this kind of fluidity of like, yeah, I love having my business in my house. Like, heck yeah. Like I love doing, you know, a couple of clients and then jumping out and making my kids lunch and then going for a run and then like coming back and right. Manifesting generators thrive on that. But another group, for example, like the projectors, which are about 20% of society, that would kill a projector. And it does. It burns them out. The projectors are the ones who are like, no, I need the system. I need the divide. I need the calmness. I need an afternoon nap. I need to be, you know, like drinking herbal tea. I need to be very specific and productive when I'm working, right? So we have these like two completely polarized experiences and trying to fit everybody into the same mold, into the same set of rules literally works for no one because all it ends up doing is, is, makes everybody question, am I even doing this the right way? I know that this works for me, but people keep telling me it shouldn't work for me. So which direction do I go? Yeah. And that's where for me, the individualization of say, you know, workout programs or diets or whatever it may be is always necessary because every single person is different and has you know, different genetic makeup, different injuries, different, you know, gut microbiomes, whichever, you know, area of health you or whatever you may be looking at. So that's where I think a lot of people look to certain programs for individualization, but it's not always there. And sometimes it's that's the work we need to do ourselves. Yeah, correct. And um, I think what I've observed over the last couple of years, which is super interesting too, is that a lot of the language that's now being used, especially around the health and wellness space, is like, oh, this is tailored. It is individual. But actually, it's not. (laughs) Come in and do our general system, which is just the same, right? I mean, even if we're just talking about like the whole weight loss industry, it's still very, very paced on calorie deficit. Yeah. Right? Calories in versus calories out. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not individualized. (laughs) that's very, very general and that hasn't evolved and that's pretty damaging to a lot of people. Yeah, well, it doesn't work. For the majority of women that I work with, it really doesn't work because it doesn't take into account hormones. If you're going through menopause, if you're perimenopause, if you've just had a baby, if do you know what I mean? There's so many other things that come into play, Um, trauma, stress, you know, inflammation, all of those things. So I think it's good to look at systems for general advice, but then you have to take hits from that and tailor it for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Hello. Guess what? Black Friday is already upon us. And I know there are so many deals at this time of year, but I wanted to share with you the amazing deal I have on the Mind Movement Health membership. So for starting today, when this podcast is released, right through to Cyber Monday, we have over 40% off the Mind Movement Health membership. Yes, that means right now you can join the membership for only 27 Australian dollars a month or 249 Australian dollars a year, which works out to be about $20 a month. Now, if you're living in Australia, $20 a month, you know, that's less than a coffee a week. 
super discounted for you amazing podcast listeners for this special Black Friday deal. So if you've been thinking about joining the membership, you want strategies, plans, and expertise to be able to put your health and fitness in place so that you can wake up every day knowing you have a workout to do, recipes and healthy meals to make, and monthly masterclasses and question and answer sessions that will answer all your health and fitness questions, then definitely sign up for the membership. Now, this is only on until Cyber Monday. So head on over to the podcast show notes or on over to the Mind Movement Health website and sign up now. Now, I know you're a Gene Keys teacher as well. What is a Gene Keys teacher? Yeah, so Gene Keys is kind of like a quirky little subsystem of human design. So the guy who created human design um, then worked with this other guy, so Richard Rudd is the creator of Gene Keys, and Richard Rudd kind of took one aspect of human design and said, this can be deeper right? We we can go so much further into this. And it was a very kind of um, medical model approach. So Richard Rudd in creating Gene Keys took this one aspect of human design and said, how does this show up physiologically speaking, right? How does this actually move through our bodies? It's based on a part of the human design system called the gates, which is like a series of numbers. And Richard Rudd then moved all of those numbers. So there's 64 gates. He created 64 correlating gene keys. And what he's what he shows through that, and it's a really kind of complex, cool, nerdy system for anybody who's into that kind of stuff. Um, what he shows through the 64 gene keys is sure, like let we can look at this spiritually. We can be all like fluffy and and woo-woo and energetic about it and um say, hey, maybe. Maybe like, you know, Gene Key was one. It's all about like creative self-expression. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? You creatively express yourself like maybe you're a crafter, maybe you're a singer, maybe you're a writer, whatever it is. What does that actually mean in your body? And how does that show up when it's not functioning correctly? So he developed this kind of whole language around like shadows and wounding and both the psychological behavior that we get as a result of that stuff, but also physically how that shows up. So we just get this awesome kind of viewpoint of like, really, this explains a lot of disease process, right? This explains a lot of kind of chronic pain, chronic injury, um, which I think is just very, very needed on a social front at the moment because the, the spirituality space Although like nourishing and sweet and lovely, it can be like really whitewashed. It can be so general and ambiguous and go and find yourself, right? <laughs> so um, systems like Gene Keys are so good because they're it's really solid, right? It's it's really clear and it says, sure, you're a soul, have a soul journey, but you're in a human body. So what's happening in the human body and and what does that mean for you? Yeah, well... Definitely chronic pain is one of those things, whether or not it's emotional or physical, um, is is present in society, I think, in, you know, really high amounts. It's not often talked about. A lot of people end up just having to try to deal with it. Um, I was speaking to a, a client yesterday and, you know, she had just had an operation and she said the nurse had asked her, you know, what her pain level was. And she was like, well, 
I don't know because I'm in pain all the time. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess it's a five, she said, but she's like realistically because I'm in pain all the time, I'm almost numb to how bad pain is because I just have it constantly. And, you know, she doesn't yeah. have anything that you would say that is major, she, you know, as in um, it's not like she's had a car accident and she's got a broken leg or something that's really acute. It's just all those underlying conditions that, you know, build up over time and, you know, cause that constant pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, coming from a, a medical background, that's one of the really challenging things about our um not necessarily our Western medical system. I think it's just our modern medical system is that we have things like pain that are not measurable, right? And that is, that's a very subjective experience. And I mean, there's a lot of research now. There's a lot of data now that shows that an individual's experience of pain happens on an enormously wide spectrum. I mean, the the spread and the scale of how people experience pain and how they process it is so influenced by things like um, our narrative of life, by our whether that pain is chronic, um, what our childhood experience has been, what what culture we come from, what gender we are, so many factors. And yet we have this medical model. If if you need like primary health treatment and you go to an emergency department or to a doctor, they're going to say, what's your pain? One out of 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, can we really boil it down to that? Is that really the best that we can do? And um, even just recently, um, unfortunately, I was in the emergency department with kidney stones, which has been a whole, you know, interesting evolution in my health journey. Um, but because I come from a very, very long history of chronic illness, my my pain tolerance is very high. My pain management is is very, very high. And so when the the emergency department, you know, nurses and doctors were saying, what's your pain out of 10? And I was very calmly and smiling saying, I think it's probably... A six to seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's really getting up there. And they were laughing at me. <laughs> they were like, this kidney stones, this is 10 out of 10 pain. This is people, you know, writhing on a bed. Like you need morphine. We need to hook you up to infusions. Um, and it was just such a reminder for me of this kind of weird dichotomy that we have around pain, right? It's it, We need better language to express that. I think we need better uh, growth within ourselves as individuals to understand what pain is actually telling us and what it means. Yeah, and better systems for um, potentially measuring it because I have to share as well, my husband was at the emergency room not long ago. Um, he had an infected cyst, which he didn't know what it was at the time, in a lot of pain. Um, yeah. And they said, again, what's your pain? And he <laughs> said, it's like an 8 out of 10. Like it's really high. And she said, well, have you had um, you know, pain medicine? Have you had taken any, you know, painkillers? And he said, no. And she said, well, if it's an out of 10, why wouldn't you do that? Like <laughs> getting angry with him, like yeah. it can't be an eight out of 10 because you haven't taken painkillers. Yeah. And he's like, well, I didn't take painkillers because I didn't want it to mask the pain so that when I got here and you say what my pain is and it's now a three and maybe there is something really wrong, but I've just masked the pain so I can't give you good information. And she just thought yeah. he was an idiot. <laughs> 
Yeah. And he was yeah. like, I'm trying to like tell you the best information I can with what's happening so that you can then look at the symptoms, give me a diagnosis. But if I'm masking the symptoms, how are you ever going to give me a, a proper diagnosis? But yeah, they looked at him like he was an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, because socially, the only response that we have to pain, and this goes outside the physical pain of the body, right? This is mental pain. This is emotional pain. Um, the only response that we have is analgesic. It's it's muted. It's make that pain stop. We just have socially evolved ourselves to the point where we are so uh, out of sync with using pain as a messenger pain as a form of communication, that it's your body or your emotions or your mind saying something is incorrect here. That is why we are feeling this discomfort. That's why we're feeling this pain and we need you to pay attention to it. We don't need you to silence it. Um, and this is how we we get into like horrible situations with things like chronic illnesses, chronic injuries. Um, certainly, I, even in that realm of like the emotional state, you know, this is how we can have adults who have gone their entire lives and never never reflected perhaps on that painful childhood experience or that trauma that they have and how it shaped them. So I think that we need to have a, a bit of a reckoning when it comes to pain and how we use it. Yeah, and I hope it does start to happen, but I think um, it's very hard in institutions to start changing um, protocols and to get it through the right channels, you know, in, in especially at all, but in any timely manner. So um, unfortunately, I think it is going to take a long time. But I think if people are, are aware and they can build their own awareness, you know, then that's the first step in the right direction. Um, and, you know, you are your biggest advocate when it comes to anything. So, you know, standing up and saying, no, this is what it is, um, even in tough situations can be hard, but really important to do. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think self-advocacy is a skill set. It's a skill set we need to learn. It's one that we're not taught, but it's one that's very, very necessary. Yeah, it's just one of those things you have to constantly uh, evolve and work on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what do you wish every woman knew? So, you know, just from maybe it's delving into and using something from human design or the work that you do, but, you know, if you could stop somebody on the street and say, this is what I would love for you to know, what would it be? <laughs> Grab like a random Aussie on the yeah, street after they've, random, they've gotten their morning coffee. <laughs> we probably wouldn't mind. I Hello, stranger, let's have a chat. Yeah. yeah. Where's this? Can you take my <laughs> photo? I'm like that person. I, my husband says I just must have a friendly face because I literally, I am the one that gets stopped all the time. It's almost un-Australian, isn't it? Like we don't do that here. We don't do that. It's the Americans. Um Look, I think when it comes to women specifically, I think there's a reclamation of self, right, that we have known for a very, very long time. I mean, we have just generations, like centuries of women who have known our capabilities, who have known that um, what we are able to bring and create and produce and contribute to has been enormously limited, mostly just by the patriarchy, to be honest. Like it's it's just social structure that has limited that. Um, but we have so much internalised kind of emotional structure around that. We have such internalised belief systems around 
well, you know, this is not ideal for me. Like this is not kind of that like groundhog day feeling, especially as a mum, right, fellow mum, that sense of like, well, maybe I don't want to be the only nurturer. I don't want to be the only emotional connector in my family. I don't want to be the the person that is domestically responsible for everything while also trying to have a job or a business or look after my body or have some kind of personal development. Like I just, I know that if I could break free from some of those obligations, I could fly, right? And we see women do it. We're starting to see women do that all over the place. They're breaking out of relationships that are not good. They're breaking out of workplaces that are not good and they're expanding. And, you know, I think what's important for me, for for all women to know is that that is self. You don't need anything externally outside of you to have that kind of, you know, air quotes, the glow up, right? You don't, you don't need anything outside of yourself. You don't even need a system. You don't need a therapist. You don't need a tool. They're great. Those things are great but you have got you. Everything that you need is already within you. And so the the journey of that kind of evolution and growth and reclamation and power and all those cool things is not about going outwards. It's often about coming inwards and just stripping back all of those layers and saying, what about this thing? Does this work for me, right? Um, the marriage that I'm in, is the dynamic of that working for me? The role that I'm taking as a mother, is that working for me? the the role that I'm playing in my workplace or in my business is that working for me and kind of having that radical self-honesty and and the courage to change the things where they need to be changed like that's where women shine I mean women are the most like just complex phenomenal remarkable beings on the planet I think yeah wow that would be amazing if you pulled me aside and said that to me. That would just be like, just casually. Like, oh wow! Like that just blew my mind. Like if I was walking on the street. Um, but yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I do know it's really hard to start to strip back some of those, you know, layers or rules we think we have to follow, or uh, you know, any of that stuff. And it is going to take time. And I think you know some people avoid it the best they can for so long but it catches up with you to a point your body will start to show the signs and at you know at some point it will force you to listen to it if you won't so um yeah I, I definitely agree with that as well now if a client was you know coming to you to experience you know human design how do you start their journey well everything always starts with running a chart right? You got to know what that information is. Um, The work that I do specifically is, you know, I mentioned before the five different energy types in human design. So uh, one of those energy types is a type called the manifestors and they're 9% of the population. So kind of the second rarest group. I am a manifester energy type. And so the area of work that I do is specifically just with manifestors. I focus solely on manifestors. I run a community of manifestors. I do specific teaching to manifestors, um, which is not to get mixed up with manifesting or manifestation. It just happens to be a similar word. Um, so, I mean, for all manifestors, I, you know, kind of start stripping that away. What does it mean to be a manifestor? Let's get some new language around that. We're quite underrepresented even in the human design space because we're pretty different. We're a bit rogue and a bit weird. Um, but for, for everyone else, I mean, human design is a really growing 
field. And so we're getting some super cool voices in, in human design that are doing a lot of the teaching the system basics, right? Like teaching like what is this language when somebody shows up and says, oh, I'm a, you know, four, six emotional projector. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> like that's <laughs> right. Can we actually start understanding how we interpret that? So um, even just beginning with a Google of human design is a great place to start. There are really, really cool people online who are teaching it. And I really think that because human design is a very onion system, it's all just layers, like layer after layer after layer. Start at that top layer. Start with your energy type. Find people who are, who are creating content and giving information that really resonates with you. Um, there are definitely now emerging some spaces that are like specific energy type communities, which is cool. Um, go and find your people, right? Start learning about it. If it speaks to you, it doesn't have to speak to you, but if it does, start going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, well, it's definitely piqued my curiosity because I think if you can understand yourself better, then you're obviously going to be able to perform better in all areas of your life. And sometimes, like you said, having some guidance in and amongst that can just help you start and find a way. So, yeah. And, you know, if we, for all the listeners that are sort of tuning in, what's one piece of advice that they could sort of go off today after listening to this and instigate straight away? Oh, just in general, in life? Yeah, just in, in general, design, just in, in all life. of it. What might inspire <laughs> them? It could, be, it could be on the human design card. It could be on health, you know, what's something that, you know, after listening to this, if they go, yeah, I am super motivated by, you know, hearing this conversation between Holly and Kate, I'm going to finish this podcast and go <laughs> insert the blank. <laughs> Uh, look, I am a, a huge advocate. Some would probably even call me obsessive about asking why think why is like the best question to ever ask yourself or other people. So um, I think that the one thing that you can implement straight away is just asking yourself like, what is not working for me in my life right now? And why? Why is that not working? Maybe it's an element of your health. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your family dynamic. Maybe it's your schedule. Like maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's your self-awareness, your personal development. It could be anything. But what is not working and why is that not working? Because far too often, and we've even touched on this in this podcast episode, far too often we're just, we're in the movement, we're in the race, we're in this kind of like keep showing up and just do it, get day after day after day, just do all of the things that need to be done. We don't stop. We don't pause. We don't reflect to say, do I even want this? Like, is this even working for me? And you said it so beautifully before. If you don't ask yourself those things, your body will tell you. Your body will eventually kind of pile all of that up and it will speak really loudly to you. And so ideally, you want to be in conversation with yourself before your body needs to bring you that message. Yeah, I think that conversation with yourself is so important and not the, you know, when we talk about conversation with ourselves, it's not the the conversation we have in our head 24-7. No. No. It's the how do I feel after I eat this food? How do I feel once I'm interacting with this person? You know, what does it feel like when I have to get up and know that I'm going to work today? It's 
tuning in and building that proprioception and listening to that feedback that your body's giving you, not just the mind chatter, but, you know, your digestion, the aches and pains, you know, your body will communicate to you. Does your heart speed up in various different ways? And I think we've become, because we're so busy, we've become very good at suppressing it because we have to keep going. Mm. But tuning Mm. into that, I think is so beneficial. Um, And to some point, it's easy to do. If you just lie down quietly for a minute or just sit and close your eyes for 30 seconds and just tune in and do almost like a little body scan, which is what I tell my clients, you'll straight away start to pick up things. It might not be everything at the start, but if you do that more frequently like any muscle and and build on that, then you tend to start to get more in tune. Um, But, yeah, I think it's something that a lot of us – sort of skim over um, or don't have time for or don't even think about it. Um, yeah. I think that awareness is great. Yeah. It's also remarkable how empowering one small thing can be. So even if that is just, you know what, like when I drink my morning coffee, I don't actually feel great afterwards. Like I've been doing this every day, <laughs> 25 years, but I don't, I don't actually feel really good. Maybe I feel like kind of nauseous. Maybe I feel a bit jittery. Just acknowledging that and shifting that, it seems insignificant, but it's a snowball effect. It's that that ownership of self that says, this doesn't work for me and I have the ability to change it. You'll quickly find that it's it's pretty addictive to apply that to every area of your life. And all of a sudden your life is super different. Yeah. I feel like this has been a very empowering conversation for all the listeners out there drinking their morning coffee or whatever it may be. Sorry, guys. I hope your coffee feels great in your body. (laughs) I love coffee. Yeah. Um, But hopefully it does sort of, um, you know, start that snowball effect. I caught up with a friend last week for dinner and she has an autoimmune condition and has been suffering with a lot of pain. And she said that she listened to one of the podcast episodes and she goes, and she goes, I'm it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I said, that's okay. She goes, I listened to most of it, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. But she said, what I have to tell you is I listened to that and I thought, why aren't I putting myself first? Why am I putting up with this pain? Why am I not doing simple things I know I should do that will make me feel better? And so she said she listened to that and then she said for the next week she didn't eat out at all. She just made her meals from home. And she said to me, she goes, you never believe it, but my pain, she goes, it's like dropped so much. She goes, it's just, you know, most days I haven't, I've woken up with no pain after those first couple of days. And she goes, I don't have that change in one week mm. just from making my meals at home. I stopped yeah. eating out. I stopped eating junk. I just cooked from home. So she goes, I, I have to tell you that because just hearing that conversation made me make that change and that's already changed so much that's so beautiful I love that yeah I think you know listening to conversations and things can just give you that spark to go yeah it's time I've got to do something so yeah thank you so much for coming on the show Holly can you share with our listeners where they can reach out and connect with you yeah for sure so I'm mostly on Instagram 
It's kind of my favorite little place to hang out. Not such a fan of Facebook, but I like Instagram. Um, so if you're into the human design stuff or you've run your chart and you've discovered that you're a manifester and you want to dive into that, we are at the manifester community. Um, but I also have just recently sprung out. It's a very manifesto thing. Like let's go and do something a little bit different. Um, so I'm also running a second account, which is all about business, just kind of the, the black and white mechanics of business, really stripping back all of this noise that we have in the online space um, and talking about how to make business work, right? And, and what's the reality of running business? So that is over at I Am Holly Herbig, if people are interested in the more business conversation. Awesome. Um, you know, this is, you know, first and foremost, a health podcast, but as we kind of said before, our life is not black and white and that, you know, most people listening will either work or be thinking about potentially starting a business or running a business. Um, so, you know, I love that you can share that and that you're helping business owners with that because I think it's one of those areas that when you're running a business or you're thinking of starting a business, it's a whole lot to work out. So if there's guidance along the way that can help with that, then it's um, going to be a major help. Agreed, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. I appreciate the time to talk to you and hang out with your audience. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.